The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Exploring our oneness with spirit and each other. Unity Online Radio. Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host. Thank you for listening with us today. We're very glad that you're uh, here listening to Spirit of Recovery, and thank you very much for the comments that you post on Facebook, and thank you for sending us your emails. We are glad also that you're letting your friends and the people that are in your recovery community and your unity community know about Spirit of Recovery. It's wonderful to be broadcasting on this topic, to be bringing together uh, so clearly those topics of recovery and spirituality and bringing to you guests who have so much to share, guests who are either in recovery themselves, who are professionals that work uh, with recovering people or people who write for recovering people or sometimes they have all of those characteristics and we are very glad that we can bring them to you because they are down to earth, they're knowledgeable, they're innovative and they can bring us cutting edge ideas and ways to deepen that recovery and spiritual growth process. We're broadcasting, of course, on Unity Online Radio, that's unity.fm and you can listen through your computer, you can listen on your smartphone, you can listen live, and you can listen to our archives. We have a great archive of programs for a couple of years' worth of those now, and you can go to those at www.unity.fm backslash program backslash spirit of recovery, and you can visit us on Facebook. So uh, we're glad that you're listening. We want you to know that the Spirit of Recovery is a welcoming place, that if you're a person in recovery from any kind of an addiction or a family member uh, in your own recovery as a family member or a family member or friend of someone with disease of addiction, whether or not they're in recovery or if you're just curious looking for information about recovery, we welcome you and we are very glad for you to be listening and to participate with us in in our discussions if if you've got a question or a comment. Again, my name is Anna Schaus. I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. I'm a Unity Minister and a Recovery Counselor. Also, I'm a person who has in my circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. 
And years ago, those relationships got me started on an active path, personal growth, recovery, and spiritual development that uh, keeps me growing. It's an integration of the unity spiritual principles and the recovery principles. So, again, I'm just so glad to have the opportunity to share uh, these great guests with you to bring you wonderful ideas about recovery, to bring you inspiration, strength, and hope. And um, glad that you're with us today and interested in what's happening for you in your recovery walk. Our topic today is recovery from the hidden addiction, pathological gambling. We know that uh, pathological gambling has devastating effects on finances, families, communities, and lives. And um, sometimes, frankly, it can be even more thoroughly destructive than a substance addiction. Although, in a way, of course, there's no comparison. But uh, it's all stuff that's harmful when we have that problem of addiction. But we know that problem gambling often goes unrecognized. And sometimes it hides, you know, as just recreation. And... uh, it can be a confusing thing. So we've got a guest today who has a lot of experience and expertise in this area, and she's her name is Denise Quirk. She's the clinical director and the CEO of the nonprofit Reno Problem Gambling Center in Reno, Nevada, and she has uh, a, is a certified addictions counselor. She's also certified in the specialty of recovery from uh, compulsive gambling. She is an author. She has written the book, The Gambling Patient Placement Criteria, and she and some colleagues wrote that, um, published that a couple of years ago, and she is very much committed to education about problem gambling, to supporting people and recovering from that and reaching out, educating the community and supporting the families of those that have um, this addiction of problem gambling. Today, Denise is going to talk with us about the difference between responsible and pathological gambling and um, many of the aspects of pathological gambling and what that recovery process looks like. So we're very glad to have her. Thank you, Denise, for joining us today on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Dr. Schultz. It's a pleasure to be here. I know that you uh, have, uh, again, uh, quite a background in the uh, experience of uh, supporting people in this uh, recovery process from compulsive gambling or problem gambling. There are lots of different terms for it. Give us an idea of, uh, if you would, at the outset of why it's called the hidden addiction. Thanks for asking that question. Um, The families that I deal with, unfortunately, in many cases, don't know that their loved one has a gambling problem until it hits epidemic proportions. So, for example, where someone with a drinking or a drug problem might start having outward signs like the way they walk, the way they smell, the way their eyes look, um, the outward signs for a gambler take a lot longer to manifest. It's usually a very serious problem by the time people are seeing the signs. And unfortunately, again, many of the family members stumble over the awareness of a gambling problem in their family by accident. Um, a strange new credit card bill comes in the mail that usually the gambler has um, grabbed out of the mailbox before somebody saw it, or somebody is going through the finances and sees a whole lot of ATM withdrawals. Things like that um, are usually hidden by the addict to such an extent that the family is um, entirely devastated when they actually find out. Right, so it can really progress. They can hide the symptoms of it. 
before Indeed. anybody really sees. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're hiding the symptoms. There's so much denial and irrational thinking that another way that it's hidden, quite frankly, is to the addict themselves. They can spend a great deal of time justifying and rationalizing it. One of the best examples I've ever seen is a movie that I use when I'm teaching. Um, it's called Owning Mahoney with Philip C- Seymour Hoffman, and he's just one of the fabulous actors of our time, portraying um, a real person who stole from the bank that he worked at and had gambled for many years to the extent of multi-millions of dollars. And he in this movie, very well portrayed, is telling his girlfriend he doesn't have a gambling problem, he has a financial problem. So there's this huge amount of denial and irrational belief in their heads that they have some magical ability to go out and make money gambling that's just flat irrational. Right. Tell us the difference between, we know, between pathological gambling and responsible gambling. Of course, we know that gambling is is a recreational activity. Lots of people right. do it for fun. What's when, when, what's the difference? Well, I, I actually have a whole lecture on this, so if I get going too long, Dr. Schaus, just stop me. <laughs> oh, go, for okay. go for it. Okay. I'll give you, first of all, the my favorite definition of gambling, which comes from the Gamblers Anonymous uh, 12-step group, and you can find this in their little yellow combo book called Gamblers Anonymous. And here's their definition. For the compulsive gambler... Any betting or wagering for self or others, whether for money or not, no matter how slight or insignificant, where the outcome is uncertain or depends upon chance or skill, constitutes gambling. So first of all, you start with a definition of gambling, which by that definition, which is the one I use, it can be anything from the little games that you have in McDonald's where you can, you know, win something all the way up to professional gambling. And recreational gambling, the way we usually define it in clinical terms, is um, something that is budgeted and planned for and is used for entertainment and nobody is harmed. It's, it's within your financial plan. It's within your entertainment plan. It's within the scope of reasonableness. So then I have this little acronym that I came up with called FAT ABS, and it stands for F is for frequency, A is for amount, T is for time, A is for alcohol use, B is for the buddy system, and S is for signs. And I walk through each one of those, and I'd be happy to do that if you wanted me to briefly. Sure. Um, Yeah, please do that. Okay. So if you are gambling responsibly, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to note the frequency. What is reasonable for anybody's budget is kind of relative. Some people could afford $10. Some people could afford $2,000, which is why we can't really judge individuals who have a lot of money and assume that they are problem gamblers because it might be in their budget. So then we have to look at other things. Um, The amount of... Um, so frequency has to do with how often you go out. Like most of us go out on a weekend. Um, other people, if they go, I mean, you'll hear people talk about being retired and being able to gamble a little bit every day. Even that is not a problem. Again, my, my slogan is, if it's not a problem, it's not a problem. So you have to carefully measure it against other variables. So the amount of money is the A for amount, Um, again, back to your budget, and then T is for time. How much time do you think is normal and appropriate for an individual to spend gambling? I mean, if if I were to ask you that, Dr. Schultz, what would you say? Oh, I don't know. For a normal person, maybe, depending on their interest level, I'd say at the most, maybe once a week, maybe, maybe 
once or twice a month or less. There you go. Once a week, once or twice a month, maybe for an hour or two or three at the most. Mm-hmm. I have seen um, compulsive gamblers that can gamble eight to ten hours at a time without moving, mm-hmm. and it's just horrific on their bodies. So that obviously is the extreme end. So if people are going back again and again and again when they had planned on a certain amount, that's a problem. They they should budget their time and their money and their entertainment just like you would have any kind of an entertainment budget. And if the minute they start going over it for any reason and are starting to make excuses, that's where it's getting into a problem area. The A for alcohol use, um, I don't think that gambling should be mixed with alcohol because as a substance abuse counselor, I know one or two drinks is going to start shutting down your ability in your frontal cortex to make good judgment decisions. And so if you want to gamble responsibly and use it as an appropriate form of entertainment, you want to have your judgment faculties with you. So I suggest if people want to go gamble, they don't drink. And if they're mixing gambling and drinking, they really, really need somebody as their outside brain to guard them and get them home safely. Um, So it's already pushing into problem areas, I think, when you mix the two. Um, B for buddy system, like when you're scuba diving, you don't go out into deep water without having a plan and telling someone and having them actually with you. Same principle, if you, even if you're turning 21 and you want to celebrate and that's your plan is to go out for an evening of gambling, you tell someone what your plan is so that if any aspect of that goes wrong, you've got a backup, you've got money in your shoe to get home in a cab, you've, you know, those sort of things. So it's good to have a buddy involved. And then last, the S for signs. Um, you really should know what the warning signs are of a gambling problem. And very much like a drug or alcohol problem, it starts with things like lying or making excuses and borrowing, you know, out of other budgets or making other kinds of excuses up about why you're suddenly changing your plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great checklist. I know that uh, one of the fallacies that, uh, and you really mentioned this earlier, that gamblers believe that they can actually make money uh, through gambling. Tell us about that. Well, unfortunately, I keep using that word because I don't, I don't believe in luck anymore. I've tried to remove luck from my vocabulary. I think that we are fortunate and blessed when good things happen, and we either work for them or we've been blessed by our higher power. So, unfortunately, people get it within their brains sometimes that they can get something for nothing, and all of our grandparents told us that that's not true, but we still try. Um, so if you go into a gambling environment, whether it's your garage, uh, poker game or a casino, and you win a hand or you win a you know slot machine payout or whatever of a chunk of money, you know hundred dollars, five hundred dollars, something that is a nice big chunk of money, we call that a big win, and that big win experience just rains euphoric dopamine and other uh, chemicals into our brain, which gives us that feeling of euphoria and which also kind of especially for anybody that might be addicted to something else, it starts ringing those bells in our head of, oh, this feels good and this, this I'm special when this happens, which unfortunately keys into the irrational part of, I could do this again. You know, I could make this feeling happen again by gambling again, winning again. And it, it feeds the irrational belief of, I have a special ability, and excuse me for laughing, but I've heard this a number of times, I have a special magical ability to make gambling wins happen. You could talk to any accountant or mathematician and they would just look you in the eye and say, 
that's silly. You, it's, it's a game of chance, and even when it's a game of skill, the odds are against you, which is why they big, build the big buildings in Las Vegas. So the, the sad part about it is the number of people that start believing their own little fallacy of, I have this special ability, and then they go chasing after that. Right. The, and, and as you said, that it, the cycle of problem gambling has to do with the, with the brain chemistry and the dopamine, which is, uh, I know there's a lot of research now in the addiction field about the brain chemistry and about process, what's called process or behavioral addictions and how those right. are like. Tell us about that. How does that work, the brain chemistry part of it? Some more. Boy, I wish I had all the, the great neurobiological terms nailed down for you. What I can tell you that I have remembered is back to the alcohol example. Um, when you think about what alcohol or other drugs do to the, the executive function, the frontal cortex of your brain, and you know, shutting down your ability to make judgment calls, then think about the midbrain, the ancient animal part of our brain that does things like, I want food, I want sleep. You know, I have to um, have a family and procreate, you know, all the basic drives. Unfortunately, with um, addiction, no matter what addiction is, whether it's um, alcohol, drugs, or a process of behavior like gambling, once you've had euphoric experiences and you've crossed the line into addiction and your brain has become sensitized to wanting that experience over and over again, the, the basic necessities of life become overruled with that cascade of neurotransmitters, and obtaining the addiction experience becomes number one and feels like it's the answer to everything. So when I'm hungry, I should go gamble. When I want a girlfriend, I should go gamble. When I want, you know, something else, I should go gamble. That's literally the kind of transformation that occurs in, a, in an addict's brain, whether it's a behavioral process addiction or a drug or alcohol addiction. It's the same thing. So it short circuits the survival needs in a sense. Is that absolutely? Mm -hmm. And Dr. Mm -hmm. Kevin McCauley, M-A-C-A-U-L-E-Y, has done a great short video um, called Pleasure Unwoven, which you can get from Amazon, where he does a fantastic job of describing that. He's a physician, Navy flight surgeon, who went through his own experience with addiction. And he did this video in an attempt to explain why addiction is a disease, and he includes in there the description of process addictions. And I use it with my clients to get them to see what's happening in the brain. So that I highly recommend that. Right. It's a... It's really an interesting process, isn't it? And it takes it out of that, you know, that moralistic idea of somehow people that are addicted have or, or immoral. I mean, they do immoral things in the addiction, but there, there's not immorality in the fact of having an addiction. Thank you, Dr. Schultz, for mentioning that. He highlights that, and I certainly bring that up all the time because people are so hurt by the effects of their gambler on themselves, their family, their spouse. They, they're taking it personally, and they're saying, why is he doing this to me? And I'm trying to explain to this poor, betrayed wife, you know, who has been lied to and cheated and all these things taken away from her from a man that she thought was, you know, trustworthy. I'm trying to explain to her that he is still the same man. He is basically overcome with a temporary insanity, okay. and I do call it that. Hold that thought. We're going to talk about that some more. It's time for our break. My guest is Denise Quirk. She's a, a licensed alcohol and drug counselor and certified to treat addictions. She's the CEO of the Reno Problem Gambling Center. We'll be right back with Hidden Addiction, Pathological Gambling Recovery. 
Our goal at Unity Online Radio is to continue expanding our spiritual programming and growing our listening audience. To help us become an ever stronger voice in today's world, we ask for your support. Please visit www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Thank you. If you've tuned in for Touching the Stillness with host Reverend Paulette Pipe, then you know the power of her soul-stirring meditations. And if her programs leave you wanting more, you can purchase her meditation CD, Touching the Stillness, and you'll be able to take Paulette's calming voice along with you wherever you go. This enthralling CD contains three separate self-contained meditations that can either be listened to in one sitting or one at a time. Whatever your preference, Paulette's mesmerizing voice will transport you beyond thoughts and sounds to a sacred place of stillness and soul remembrance. So go ahead, enliven your meditation practice with the Touching the Stillness CD from Reverend Paulette Pipe and let the stillness touch you. To obtain your copy, go to www.unity.org and click on Shop. That's www.unity.org and click on Shop. turning five this year and we're throwing the biggest bash of all a cruise to the caribbean november 10 through 17 2012 we'll celebrate in style aboard holland america lines eurodam with sunshine fine dining and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the eastern caribbean plus feed your spirit with music message and meditation Your favorite hosts will be there, and we hope you will join us too as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, visit www.unity.fm forward slash cruise. Listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, PhD. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. If you're just joining us, our topic today is recovery from the hidden addiction, pathological gambling. My guest is Denise Quirk. Denise is a licensed marriage and family therapist, uh, is licensed drug alcohol and drug counselor, and is also uh, licensed to treat uh, compulsive gambling. She's the director and the CEO of the nonprofit Reno Problem Gambling Center. And Denise is an author, and she's a champion of the cause for the recovery of those with compulsive gambling addiction and their family members. She does a lot of community education as well as providing treatment. Before Denise and I get back to our conversation, uh, I invite you to join me for a moment in our Serenity Minute. So I invite you to relax, 
to allow your mind to open, to allow your heart to open, and share with me this constructive idea. My higher power is active in my life, and all my needs are met. My higher power is active in my life, and all my needs are met. Thank you, friends, for joining me in the Serenity Minute. And now we're back to our conversation with Denise Quirk, the Director and CEO of the Reno Problem Gambling Center, and we're talking about recovery from the hidden addiction, pathological gambling. So, Denise, right before we... uh, our break, we were talking about the family members. What happens in a, in a family where there is a compulsive gambler? Okay. So, let's, Denise is not quite back with us yet, but she'll be back in just a moment. And uh, while she is way there, we're talking again about the hidden addiction, pathological gambling, recovery from pathological gambling, and we were talking about the family. So what happens in families, Denise, when there is a compulsive gambler? Thank you, Dr. Schaus. I apologize for that little problem with my phone. Um, your recovery minute, by the way, was just lovely. The meditation was sweet, and I have often encouraged both gamblers and family members to find ways to find serenity because there's their lives become so much in turmoil that they need every little moment of serenity they can grab. So what has um, happened in a lot of cases here in Reno is the, the spouse is the one that comes and approaches me first, either by phone or in person, and tells me of the horror of finding out the extent of the gambling problem, and usually is very angry and afraid, and they are expressing what I see is a trauma reaction, and I treat the family as trauma survivors. I believe that um, terms like codependence, which we're still trying to find, you know, appropriate usage of so that we don't offend people when they say, oh, by the way, you have a problem as well, I try to, I try to say, um, thank you for the courage to come here. I see that this has traumatized you, and I'm going to offer you all the support and therapy that you need while you're going through this. So the first thing they need is some information about what resources are available. And pretty much every treatment center is going to do some form of an assessment on the person that's that's first meeting with them. So I'm literally assessing the person who is bringing me the information because they may be just as much as or worse in um, difficulty than the gambler is. So I'm making sure that they're safe, that they have shelter, that they have transportation, that they have medical things covered. And then I'm asking them what they know about addiction because quite often um, people may know a little bit about alcoholism, but they know very little about pathological gambling as a disease. So we start with a, a very rudimentary explanation of that because I don't want to dwell too much on education. I want to be able to meet their trauma needs and their family needs. So I'm finding out what's the most urgent thing that's going on. And literally, that's what we're doing. We're, we're triaging what's happening. Quite often, I've had um, spouses who are telling me that the um, children's college fund or their retirement fund or their savings account is drained, and they're just in shock. So they're trying to find ways to cope with the loss of the money and not to do it in a in a reacting manner but in a proactive manner so we do a financial assessment 
right out of the gun right there is what are your immediate needs and are you going to be okay? Um, quite often as well, the person is still employed and able to make money, which is wonderful. And so I'm, I'm helping the spouse come up with ideas like, I don't want to kick this person out, but I'm tempted. You know, it's hard to stay in a relationship with someone who has lied and betrayed you. I ask them to give me 30 or 60 or 90 days, whatever time period they could agree to, to work on the issues at hand. And then at the end of that time period, reevaluate. And if it's not working, they can certainly do whatever they want at that point. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that financial devastation is what can affect a family so profoundly just in in ways that are deep like that you were just just outlining in addition to the you know the sense of betrayal but it's like the whole family can just be out of completely out of money absolutely and of course in these difficult economic times it's just you know completely multiplying the pain because some people are still working but a lot of people aren't and then they're just horrified at not only what they thought they had but now they don't have the savings cushion and they're going to have to go ask for help from their parents or something like that. It really puts people in a lot of awkward positions. Right. What is the spiritual aspect of the disease of compulsive gambling and what's the spiritual recovery? You mentioned you know, earlier uh, that, that you liked the, the little meditation that I did. What's the spirituality of this? Thank you for mentioning that. Um, Gamblers Anonymous, as a 12-step program, comes from the same foundation as Alcoholics Anonymous, and we encourage people to go to Gamblers Anonymous and go to Gammonon for family members to get the personal support and the program of recovery that GA and Gammonon have to offer. In addition to that, we're telling them whatever the spiritual understanding that you have ever had, whether it's from your youth and you haven't practiced in a while, or you're on some kind of a quest of discovering who your higher power is, we want to help with that. We support everyone's spiritual quest as part of their healing and encourage them to find a way. And so we'll ask them, you know, what what is wanted there? What do you think you need right now? Most of them just want a moment of peace, like what you were just offering. So we ask them if they've ever practiced any form of prayer or meditation, and we offer them suggestions. We have films and um, audio tapes and different things that people can try. And we are reminding and encouraging not to forget to do that. So we have some accountability exercises around that every week. How many of you guys have, you know, done your spiritual practice? How many of you guys have gone to a 12-step meeting? How many, you know, to remind them to be accountable because they're already kind of battle-wounded. They need a little bit of um, encouragement and reminders to do that. Right. That's great that you uh, understand so deeply that they have been traumatized and and uh, don't tell those family members or the compulsive gamblers that they're bad or wrong, but that, oh, well, you know, you're all, all in trauma and we're going to help you. That's great. Thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for Certainly. doing that. Yeah. Certainly. As you've mentioned earlier also, a lot of times there can be a connection between substance addiction and gambling and perhaps other even behavioral addictions. How does that, how do those go together sometimes or a lot of times? Right. Well, I would say that probably half to three quarters of the people walking in the door that I've treated in the gambling center in the last six years and um, in my 20 years as a therapist um, in general, 
there are multiple addictions at work at some point in their life. So where somebody might have been an alcoholic years ago and put the alcohol away, they may have picked up gambling, and that happens quite often. Or they might be walking in the door with a multiple addiction, you know, comorbidly happening together at the same time right now. So we're assessing which one is more on fire, so to speak. And if the person comes in, you know, hungover or coming down from meth, which is unfortunately a big problem in the Reno area, um, then we're going to make sure that they get their medical needs first so that they can be stable enough to be treated as a problem gambler. What I've noticed um, that is very interesting just from the clinical standpoint about when you do an interview with the person to determine if they're addicted to something, you have a certain number of clinical questions that you ask. And the questions for substance um, dependence or you know addiction to alcohol or drugs are slightly different than the questions for pathological gambling or gambling addiction. And there's some um, similarities and differences that I wanted to point out. And the, the first one that is different for gambling is do you find yourself chasing money that you've lost? You know, you've lost money gambling, you've gone back and tried to recoup your losses, so you're chasing your losses. That is unique to gambling because if you ask an alcoholic or an addict, the last time you got horrifically drunk or overdosed on something, did you go back and try and get that experience again? And they would just laugh at you and say, no, I want the happy experience, not the miserable one. But ironically for gamblers, they just want to be in action. And part of the action of gambling includes chasing losses and, and believing that they can recoup them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's so, just one of, of the differences. Right. What are some other differences between substance addiction and gambling? Well, interestingly, people may not fully understand this, and I take some time to explain it, but briefly, tolerance and withdrawal, two things that we look for in um, alcohol and drug addiction, tolerance being um, you need more and more of the same substance to achieve the desired effect, or you need less and less because your liver is just going, and it's just unpredictable how you're going to react. So you hear about people building up tolerance to pain meds or tolerance to alcohol. They need more and more to get the same effect. Right. You actually have a similar effect in gambling where they started out gambling with nickels and dimes and quarters, and now it's $5 bills and $20 bills and $100 bills, and they don't even think it's gambling unless they have $200 in their pocket. So there's a tolerance effect. There are also also withdrawal symptoms, and literally there are physical withdrawal symptoms that we see in gamblers coming down from gambling. What kind of physical withdrawal symptoms? I'm very careful when I'm asking their health history, you know, have you ever had stomach or heart or anxiety or depression or other kinds of problems prior to gambling? Because I don't want to assume but quite often they'll say, no, the first time I had this kind of panic attack experience or this horrible stomachache or these awful headaches or sweats or, you know, et cetera, other kind of physical symptoms was when I was trying to quit gambling or the last time that I lost my whole paycheck. So people will actually be able to define physical symptoms that occur when they are coming down from gambling. Right. What's it like when someone that has compulsive gambling addiction comes into treatment, what's your process for getting them the right level of care and, <clears throat> and kind of what happens? Thanks for asking that. The, the reason we wrote the gambling patient placement criteria, the GPPC, which we have nicknamed the Gypsy, is because we noticed there was a, there was a lot of literature that helped um, alcohol and drug counselors and doctors and nurses 
um, assess the need of the kind of care an alcoholic or a drug addict needed, but there was nothing for gamblers. So we followed the same pattern as the ASAM PPC2R, which the the letters um, stand for Patient Placement Criteria for the Addiction Society of American Medicine. We followed that same um, pattern, and then we made a set of assessment tools and a set of criteria so that gamblers, any gambler walking in the door does not necessarily need to be put in a hospital bed. And they may not just need a little bit of education. They may need something in between. So by doing all these um, assessment tools that we have for them, such as, you know, getting their history, as I described, you know, how much of this is medical, how much is this is financial, what's been going on in your personal life, things like... Um, Grief and loss are a huge catalyst for people to go from recreational gambling to pathological gambling. I see that over and over again. I will find that someone has either gone through a divorce or lost a loved one, and then there went their gambling out of control. So as I'm assessing that, I'm also trying to find out what their resources are and what their ability to cope is. Can they still go to work? Can they still take care of themselves, or are they completely losing their ability to function? Because if they've lost their ability to function on a daily basis, they probably need to be hospitalized. But if they're still able to work, then they might want to come to our center, which is intensive outpatient, and they can still go to work and go home at night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when they come in, you do an assessment on them and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, do all these things that you've said, take the history and assess uh, their level of functioning. What's the treatment that really consists of in, in the beginning? Um, do you yell at them or tell them they're <laughs> awful? I know you don't. I know you don't. Well, That's a people great question. That. People well, I'm that. laughing because when I yeah. first started in 1992, there was still little pockets of aversion therapy around the country where people would send their loved ones to a place to be yelled at and, and make them throw up their alcohol or whatever to try and, you know, recondition them. Um, I don't think that works. I think that's horrible. So, no, we, we are starting with education, and while the fog is clearing literally from the gambler's mind, they don't have to be alcoholics or drug addicts to have a foggy brain. They've been, they've been in a horrible, you know, like I said, temporary insanity experience for however many years they've been gambling addictively. So as they're coming back to the ground, so to speak, and getting more clear, we're educating them what addiction is, the disease of addiction. We're telling them about what the math is. We do a little bit of education around chance and the statistics that fuel the billboards that we have here in Nevada about, you know, you're going to have these great chances of winning and you have this super-duper chance of return on your investment if you go to a casino. And we just lay it out and say, the house edge means they are always going to win. And then we take their irrational beliefs and their magical thinking and we break them down into little bits. We do cognitive behavioral therapy around what was your favorite, you know, um, little token or little behavior that you would do. And you'd be surprised how many people have superstitious beliefs around the way they gamble, what socks they wear, what door they come in, where they park Mm -hmm. their car, Mm -hmm. which dealer they have, you know. On and on. Right. That's good. And there's probably a big sense of support, too. Do you have 
group therapy, I'm sure, or support group there kind of go. atmosphere there. Right. We start our intensive outpatient program is designed to be four days a week for two hours, either in the morning or the evening, for eight weeks. If the person wants to just do the compartmentalized version like that and do it straight for eight weeks, most of our clients can only come a couple of days a week, and so we stretch it out over weeks and months to give them the same program um, at a less frequent intensity while they're going to GA whenever they can and while they're going to church or to yoga. Hang on. Hold on to that thought. It's time for a break, but we're going to catch that when we come back. So listeners, stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Lynn Twist. I'm the author of The Soul of Money. If you're struggling right now with a financial crisis, I recommend going to www.unityfm and listening to our course about the soul of money and how to handle this in a way that brings out the deep spirituality that's available at this time. You know, a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. Join author Lynn Twist for the blessing of the financial crisis. You'll learn new techniques to use the current economic situation to redefine your relationship with money. It's available now for immediate download at unity.fm in the video download section. that thought you've held in your mind into a reality in your life? How do you work in partnership with God to co-create the life that you've always imagined? One way is through the universe responding spiritual model for life. Each week, Valerie Crabtree will share how to use the universe responding elements and principles to co-create your life through continuous communication with your higher power. She'll answer your questions using this practical, understandable concept, and your life will change. Listen to Universe Responding on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to the Spirit of Recovery. Our topic today, if you're just joining us, is recovery from the hidden addiction, pathological gambling. And my guest is Denise Quirk. She is a licensed alcohol and drug counselor. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And she is certified in treating compulsive gambling and the families of compulsive gamblers. She's the clinical director and the CEO of the nonprofit Reno Problem Gambling Center. She is an author and she is a champion of the cause for the recovery of the compulsive gambler and families. She's also a very much involved in education the 
community, and uh, she has just a wonderful background and a wealth of rich knowledge in the re- in the recovery and the treatment field, and is sharing with us so much. So, Denise, uh, you were telling us right before the break about the treatment process and about uh, at your particular center, it is an intensive outpatient process. The person comes in, I think you said, four, for four days a week, and they're also attending Gamblers Anonymous meetings and so forth. What else is that treatment process like? Thanks for asking, Dr. Schaus. It's individualized, so we don't give everybody the exact same treatment, but we have found that there are certain things that we definitely want to touch on in their uh, treatment plan. Um, one of them, of course, is breaking through denial, and with that, we're going to give a lot of education and a lot of information about the science of why we have come to call this, you know, an addiction and a mental disorder. And so lovingly, I tell people, yes, you're crazy. And in order to get back into being grounded and acting appropriately, we're going to help you change some of your behaviors. And some people will joke back and say, oh, so you're saying that I was brainwashed and you're going to brainwash me differently? And I say, well, sort of, but with your permission and with no harm done, we need to talk about the faulty thinking, the faulty core beliefs, all the irrational stuff that's been going through their heads. So I I spoke a little bit before the break about the um, address the superstitions and the magical thinking, and that is a huge um, core of why problem and pathological gamblers keep going back and doing the dumb things that their family members look at them and say, why would you ever do that? So by putting that out in black and white and having them re-engage with, and now that I'm not gambling, what am I going to be doing? So in the process of being in treatment here, they're going to do things like say goodbye to gambling in the form of a letter and a presentation to their group. So there is group and individual and couples and family therapy involved in the whole thing. They're going to be doing a life story as it relates to their gambling so that they can kind of tell their group and say out loud what it was that they think got them here. Because as you mentioned earlier, quite often people start with recreational or social gambling and it goes into an addictive area when something um, either really euphoric or something really bad happens. So for whatever reason, when they become an addict, they really need to look back on what the history of their gambling is. Um, they need to understand the meaning of money and their financial situation. So we go through budgeting and debt and how they used to believe money. Um, for a lot of gamblers, money is like gamble- like uh, monopoly money. They don't take it seriously. So they really have to reconnect with um, their understanding of money and what they're going to be doing moving forward. Many of them are extremely stressed and ashamed and need to have some work um, in therapy around addressing the shame and moving through it and addressing the financial loss and moving through it and taking action appropriately because just going out and getting three jobs and not being home is not necessarily going to solve their problem. They need to deal with home stuff and financial stuff and work stuff. So we're trying to help them get a balance with that over probably the first year that we're working with them. We we explain from the outset this is um, something that happened to you over a long period of time, and it's going to take more than a minute to really resolve and get you stable and moving forward. So we ask folks to commit to one year of some kind of outpatient therapy, even if it's just coming back once a month for um, a group meeting or a support meeting, something has to be committed to for the, the next year. And frankly, we've had a number of families that have come to us for two, three, four years um, at different intervals to get the support and the, um, the therapy that they need. 
Right. What's life uh, like after they complete treatment, as you said, and they can still stay connected to a center like yours in some ways, but yet they've got to go on. They've got to live life. They've got to get out there. And especially, you know, you're in Nevada. <laughs> so how do they, <laughs> do we need right. to say more? So how well, is let life me like a, for people? It's mm-hmm. a very good question. Let me give a little snapshot of uh, Nevada. Somebody recently told right. me that they did a survey and people who have not been to Nevada before have wondered what Reno is like. And nine out of ten people surveyed thought there was a lot of cactus and scorpions. And I want to refute that <laughs> and say that our our uh, geography and our weather is a lot like Denver, Colorado. Um, it's a beautiful place. There's a lot going on here besides casino gambling. However, correctly, 24-7, there's some form of gambling available anywhere you go in Nevada. It's been set up that way to be a gaming um, vacation destination, both Reno and Vegas, Vegas a lot more so. So that means the grocery stores, except for a handful of them, and we do know which ones do and don't have um, gaming in them, the laundromats, the gas station, pretty much everywhere you go in Nevada, there's going to be a slot machine or some form of gaming available. So we help our clients strategize when and how and where and with what they're going to do their shopping, their bill paying, their activities. They have to change a good portion of everything they do to avoid their former gaming establishments. A lot of my clients are middle-aged women who became addicted to video poker or something of that sort, maybe slot machines, at the um, casino that they would go to at lunch or at the grocery store or at the gas station. So we're definitely going to carve out a new path for what their activity and their you know driving direction is going to be. Um, their support system um, of their choice, we're not going to make anybody do anything, but we're going to invite them to choose people who understand that they're going through a transition and how can they help them. They can help them by not putting them in slippery, triggering situations. For the gambler, that usually means they need to quit handling money for a time. They need to turn over the finances and all cash to their spouse or their sponsor or their best friend, whoever's willing to do that for them. And it's usually a spouse. And so if the spouse has never done money management before, we're going to do a quick intensive, here's how we recommend you do some banking practices and some online practices, et cetera, to get ready to do the finances. We still want the gambler to see the bills and know what's going on with the bills, but we just don't want them having the debit card or the checkbook or the cash for at least six months into treatment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's great. Good good, uh, good information there. And yeah. you just uh, blew a stereotype. You told us that many of your patients are middle-aged women, and mm-hmm. I know there are some other groups at risk. What uh, what are those other groups? There you go. I was surprised how many. It was just a few percent more females than males that were coming in. It was definitely in their 40s and 50s that would come in and ask for help, and we believe that's because women have um, a better sense of, I need to go ask for help. And maybe it's pride and, and maybe it's training, but women will ask for help before men will. And then the other groups that I have great concern about um, are seniors. There's a... There's a video that we put together with the University of Nevada that has a booklet that goes with it, 
and it's it's called Beyond the Game, Nevada Seniors and Problem Gambling. The booklet and the DVD I can send to someone if they want to talk to me or um, the Nevada Council on Problem Gambling will send to anyone who wants it for free. So be glad how to would they that reach information. You? How would they reach you? They can reach me by email, and I'll give you my mm-hmm. email address. It's DQ. RPGC, and that's my initials, Denise Quirk, Reno Problem Gambling Center. So DQRPGC at gmail.com, mm-hmm. or you can go to our website, um, RenoPGC.org, RenoProblemGamblingCenter.org. Right, and they could find you and get this booklet. And they can find right. you and get this information. So the Wonderful. seniors are a big concern in Nevada because they have so much time on their hands, and unfortunately, um, a lot of advertising is emphasizing that seniors can come and relax and get in an air-conditioned place and get, you know, cheap food and free drinks and all that comes with um, gambling, and they are enticed by that because quite often they're lonely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So what what about the community aspect of this? We just have a few minutes left, but tell us how you... Ed- a community about how to uh, help people, how to see the warning signs or what to do, how to help the community. In, uh, Thanks, Dr. The- Schaus. Um, anybody can access gamblersanonymous.org online and read the 20 questions. And so I, I constantly tell people, get information, look for the signs and symptoms, take these free little tests that you can take online. I speak to schools and businesses and every little soapbox I can stand on. I've gone in front of the legislature many times and advocated for changing the laws to permit gamblers who have committed crimes within a certain scope, you know, um, to be given the opportunity for diversion treatment, just like alcoholics and addicts. And we have achieved that in the state of Nevada in the last two years. I teach a class online at the University of Nevada, Reno, which is available in other states as well. So I think it's a little bit of knowledge and a willingness to bring it up as a disease and as a community issue, as a public health issue, and to give people knowledge and information. Right. So it sounds like you've been able to make some important, impactful changes by working on this educating communities. We really have, and it, you know, once you get past your fear of speaking into a microphone at the legislature, all kinds of good things can happen. And I really encourage people who have a, you know, a personal vested interest to go find out if there are any bills happening that they can go um, speak about. And literally, when you read the 20 questions that Gamblers Anonymous created in 1957, when they uh, first created Gamblers Anonymous, Things like, did you ever lose time from work or school due to gambling? Has gambling ever made your home life unhappy? You go through those 20 questions, and if you answer yes to seven of them, and GA says historically it's actually three. So if you answer yes to three to seven of those questions, you probably have a gambling problem. And if you think one of your loved ones has a problem, then you probably have some kind of trauma going on. So there is a way to get free or low-cost help for both of those situations, and I tell people to go learn and find out where the resources are. Right. So even if they Google Gamblers Anonymous, if they Google Gammonon, which, as you said Correct. earlier, is for the families, or just Google Gambling, Compulsive Gambling Recovery. Right. And, and our Reno uh, PGC.org, mm-hmm. they can start to access those resources. And Absolutely. Get the gambling out of the center of their lives and get the trauma out and put in a real higher power. So Absolutely. 
Yep. Thank you so much for being with us, um, Denise Quirk. We're just grateful for your all you've shared with us today and the work that you do. So, listeners, uh, be uh, we'll be back next week, and we know that you'll have a wonderful week. And we are glad that you're listening with us here on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you, Dr. Shells. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Just what does that dream mean? Ever wake up from a crazy dream and wonder what it meant? Have you had a recurring dream all your life and you just can't get it to stop? Get all your questions about dreams and dream interpretation answered by the leading expert in the field. Unity Online Radio is home to America's leading dream expert, Dr. Michael Lennox. And on Mondays at 2 p.m. Central, the Dream Doctor is definitely in. Tune in to Dream Interpretation with Dr. Michael Lennox, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift heal and comfort them as you send this radiance on you are filled with a new sense of God's power and you release this power to the whole world to uplift guide and bless all people a day's tasks await you but God is with you and with God's help all shall be done perfectly this meditative moment is brought to you by unity If you've ever wondered how a specific Bible verse might be interpreted metaphysically, then Interpret This is for you. In Interpret This, Unity Minister Rev. Ed Townley answers your questions about the Bible and how to apply its verses to your life with passion, depth, and 
and spiritual insight. To submit a question or to enjoy any of his numerous metaphysical interpretations, visit unity.org and click on the Interpret This box. I'm Victoria Moran. Since we launched the Main Street Vegan podcast back in 2012, lots more people have discovered the way that moving in a vegan direction can infuse our lives with vitality, spirituality, and compassion. My guests are experts on every aspect of making this work in your real life and our real world. Join us for Main Street Vegan here on mindbodyspirit.fm.